Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rants and Tangents podcast with Daryl Smith Jr. Shayla and Ray Parker. What's up, y'all? I'm tired. Me too, man. I could use a nap. If you're looking on YouTube, don't Ray look like a glazed turkey? <laughs> Yo, real man talk. Sweating like he stole something. True story. I'm sitting on my uh, floor and shit, minding my business. So I feel something like pushing on my head, but I don't know what it is. I can't really sense it. Why is my cat licking my head like a fucking whopper? Salt. So I'm just like, <laughs> it's tearing my head up for a second. And I didn't even realize what it was because I was like half sleeping into a fucking show and shit. But then I'm like, what the fuck is that? Sure enough, my cat up there licking my top of my head. I was like, yo, Ew. she probably, I drink my ice cream. Their tongues are so rough weird and it's ragged. Feeling. But she started doing it like light at first. But I guess, yeah, she must have tasted some salt on my head and she started to really go for it. If she had bit me, I'd have threw her ass out the window. You thought your hair was a meatball. Real talk. A giant meatball. I actually still laugh at that. Uh, it's this uh, video where a dude got a bunch of the Whoppers candies in his hand. And it's a dude sitting down, like, in rows ahead of him. He's, like, at a game or something. And he put the Whoppers up. And dude head legit looked like one of the Whoppers. <laughs> and then he, like, put the Whoppers down. And then you see the bull head. Dog, I lose it every time. <laughs> Paul used to send it to me as a joke in the group chat. I'm surprised, I'm surprised you don't remember that, dude. Yeah, I remember. Yo. That joint kills me every time. Gotta laugh every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's always a good laugh. So what's up, though? Nothing. I'm just tired. That's really like the angst of my life lately. I feel like I've been ripping and running so much, and it's the end. Of, today was the last day of school, which means nothing for me because uh-uh. I'm in school twelve months out of the year. So I always have students. So it means nothing. It was like not an exciting, like, oh, kids. Uh, and then they'll be back in three weeks for ESY. So whatever. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I ain't tired. I don't know how y'all both tired. I'm the one that just got done running. Well, you wouldn't but be I, tired if you just got done running. I wouldn't be sleeping. Yeah. yeah. And Dolphins A little fatigue. popping. Yeah, my endorphins are firing right now. I'm actually Mm -hmm. in a very pleasant mood. You know how tension wound wound up throughout the day, and then you finally go out, work out, run, and it's like a release. It's almost like, I wouldn't say, yeah, it's almost like getting getting one off. I wouldn't go that far. I I knew I was touching the sensitive waters there. I I was going far, but I'm almost there. There's a such thing as a runner's high and all that jazz. Yeah. But uh, it's not as pleasurable. Nothing as good as that sweet release. No, it's not. It definitely isn't. I realize that I'm getting older in that regard, though. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm slowing down. Of course. It's, it's inevitable. Because it's not like what I'm finding is it's not a priority for me. Yeah. I'm I mean, there will sleep. be a moment where it's a priority. Absolutely. But you have a to get there. Or, right. But it's not just like I'm being young. Shoot. It was a priority. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Every day, sex was a priority, and it was more. At some point, it may have been notches on the belt, but at other points, it wasn't about notches on the belt. It was like a part of your lifestyle. Uh-huh. That's the best way to really say it for me. It was a part of the lifestyle, 
Like I'm supposed to be having sex. Yes. Like why am I? Why wouldn't I be having? What are you talking about? Why is it? <laughs> why has it been a week? Yeah, or four days. Uh, that would be inc- that would be insanity. Definitely, <laughs> definitely in the twenties. Four days. For I mean, what? what? That means I made a choice. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm I don't like, think I'm I not... ever went a week in my twenties. In my twenties, I went eight months one time. Eight whole months, man. Oh, when your girl's pregnant. Yeah, when, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking like, why? <laughs> what? Baby, mom was pregnant. Yeah, I, all, right. all right, that makes sense. So, I do mean, you don't. find that? Yeah, why? I, I'm still uh, confused. Well, for, uh, you know, I didn't find her attractive pregnant. Uh, oh, you couldn't do it. Couldn't and one is are two different things, as you know. Like, definitely could and did, but it got to a point where I, I just. Because I think that's when I was really starting to mature and go over that hump of boyhood to manhood. And I was just like, then a personality starts weighing on if you're sexually attracted to a person as a man. Once he goes over that hump, like as a as a mm. boy, Everything. boy transitioning, you don't give a fuck about her. Everything None of that matters. Mm. What she said to you 10 minutes before she said you had sex with her, you don't give nothing about. All you care about is the results. Mm. But once you get older, or once you start maturing and going over that hump, you're like, man, I heard what you said. I don't, I'm not finding you attractive. You know I mean, and I had one of those uh, angry pregnant women, so that was wasn't attractive. Yeah. And then after that, she had a C-section. They said you got to wait six weeks, and it was like, well, I might as well just keep on going. Like, damn, you blowing my erection, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like. Like damn, you definitely blow my erection, huh? That's the thing too. Oh, you can lose your drunk, you can lose your buzz, you can you, lose your high, you, you can, can definitely lose your erection, lose your erection high. high. Good, because that joint still dumb as shit to me. Once you go over that hump, <laughs> but once you before that hump, there's no such thing as losing it. It's like, listen, yeah. I don't care what you're talking about. Are we trying to have sex or not? Yeah, it's not dumb shit. You just don't understand. It's just I'm, not for I'm you. starting to count. It's just not for you. Madam, the way y'all explained the erection high to me last time, it would behoove both of you to understand how dumb as shit it is. <laughs> it's dumb. If you, so I want you to talk to a male that you're engaging with, mm-hmm. and don't use the term erection high. Ask him more like, yo, you ever had sex with a person just because you were horny, or you ever had sex with a person, you know? For any reason other than you were, you know, really attracted to them mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And he no, gonna say I yeah. get that. I, I fully understand that. I'll, I'll venture to say that I've done that. That doesn't mean it's not dumb as shit, guys. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Like, it no. doesn't mean that it's not true. stupid. But it's true. It's just stupid as hell. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm you. not, you know, I'm Respect. not combating Respect. the truth. We, we, we're supposed to be stupid. That's the As point of it. It you. is. It makes you make dumb decisions. It's a high. Mm-hmm. We all do stupid shit when we drunk. When you, I mean, yeah, it's not wrong with that. It, it happens. Okay. I don't think any of us are, you know, either of us were saying it was the wise. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not wise thing to do. <laughs> it's a miscalculating state. You're gonna make some. It's gonna be some accidents. But you put on bigger goggles before. Half of us are here because yeah. of an erection high. Mm-hmm. I would say that. Yeah. Shit. None of us would be here without cum. No, 
I'm talking about an erection. I mean, you fucked a chick that you wasn't supposed to, and now you stuck with a kid for the rest of your life because an erection. I can't. I won't say half. I'm not. Yeah, let's say good twenty five percent. Twenty five. Okay. I think majority of pregnancies are slip ups. Huh. I think majority of pregnancies are Even planned pregnancies are slip-ups. You can't, like, exactly. You can't prepare. plan a big... I don't believe in planning children. I think it's just being intentional. But you can't just say we're going to have a baby on this date. The conversation is more like we... If she dies, okay she dies. We <laughs> 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 okay with having a baby? Or, exactly. all right, then, all right, so like, if, if, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. <laughs> Even then, it's like a question. We cool with this, yeah. right? You sure? I'm about to stop pulling out. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? You okay? I'm okay. I think I'm okay. Listen, yeah, I'll stick around. Yeah. All that shit. So, the, how many years, y'all, how many years of quality fucking do you got before you get to the Bernie Mac stage? I don't think the quality. No, quality meaning time, like you putting work in. Quality fucking. Before you get to the Bernie Mac, sexing I think but until 50 you, pumps. For me, it's the pride. Until my pride kicks in. I mean, until my pride ceases, really. Yeah, All right, let me ask around. you this. Do you ever find the most efficient way to make somebody come so that you can get yours? Make your significant other come so you can get yours? Are you at that phase? <sighs> no, I'm not there. Um, no. Shay. No, I'm well, not doing it. I'm not doing it. Once a nigga out the game, he out. I'm not doing it to get you out the way, though. I'm not doing it to get you out the way. I'm doing it to get you an orgasm. Yeah. I sometimes I mean, get you out the way. I, well, sometimes I'm not going to come, and I just am like, all right, this was fun, but now I'm over it. Can we just finish up here? <laughs> I mean, I've done that in my youth. I remember faking. So many times. Actually, I started just doing it. With a condom on. Yeah. But I haven't faked. It's just I know certain things that I can do with my body to elicit this reaction faster. Yeah, Yeah, but that's the thing. So I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to fake an orgasm for you. I don't, I mean, I have, but I'm not going to do it. And most times you realize that a guy doesn't necessarily care. Like, if, or that you can't care. If I get you to a point that you can't care, fam, is nothing you can really do. Which means you can't care about what? You can't care about trying to make me come. If my purpose, my sole purpose in this moment is trying to make you come, is nothing that you can really do to stop it. I'm a little puzzled. Yeah. Hold on. So your sole purpose don't be to get your nut off? I have a hard time coming during, like, intercourse and, like, sex, and head is bothering me at the moment. So I don't... Look forward to that. I enjoy the act of sex. Like, I genuinely just enjoy the act of sex. Shit. There's nothing in it for your ego. Five minutes just won't hurt you in that session, in that situation. Jeez. All right. So, I think you already at that phase. See, I I got about 20 years in so far. Roughly. 20 years you think you got left? No, that I've done so far. So I'm trying to figure out how many more years of quality do I got going forward. So, yeah, I got about 20 years. Well, consistently so for about 16 goes years. The quality goes away, you still want to do it? The quality? Then why are you, you know, you're just doing it just to do it. You know, like if you, like, if the quality isn't there anymore, 
I'm just trying to figure out at what phase does my, I guess you call it your ego, does it leave? And I'm just trying to efficiently get it done, get my nuts so I can go on my day. Your so, attention's still going to be there. You always going to, you know, not always, but you're still going to have a sex drive. But. When you say that, I'm just thinking about time. Yeah, it'll be times where I'm just like, let's just get, you know, got shit to do today. <clears throat> or, you know what I mean? Or I'm I'm tired, but I still would like to have some sex. So let me let's, I'll get you yours. You get me mine. We can both just go to sleep and still have a good like night's sleep. Sex. You know what I'm saying? So in that situation, I think everything for a reason. I'm not, but I don't think I don't see me getting to a place where I'm just like. No. I think it's phases as well. I don't think sure. that they'll like you get to a point and it's just like, oh, well, this is what sex is now. You know what yeah, I mean? Like no. you, it will be what sex is now, but there's another phase after that. You know right. what I mean? Like, there's men 70-something years old. Oh, yeah, still having kids. Popping babies out like oh, yeah. this. You know what I mean? Listen, let me tell you something. The hot commodity in the street, uh, commodity in these streets ain't Percocets. It's Viagra. And them old heads be selling blues $20 a pill. I do know, because that shit is a whole trade. So, I know niggas still getting it in. I'm just curious as to... I'm thinking about the Bernie Mac skit, basically. I watched it recently. He was just talking about how sex ain't but 50 pumps. I ain't got time for you. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you looking all stupid at me. It's 50 pumps. You don't get your bitch you out of luck. He been that guy, though. Like, yeah, I can't I think I just, he been that I don't man. think he to that yeah, person. Yeah, hey, that's yeah, who yeah. he's always been. Yeah, I, feel I, like. I just was curious as to, like, damn, when do you get to that point? Like, damn. Like, I, that, I don't even feel like it. You would have to get such a fucking in your system, and you can't just switch like that. Yeah. You're always going to have a bit of pride. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always going to be like, all right, you know. I don't want to just be out here just pumping. Like, yeah, like I ain't got all day. That's what I'm saying. Like, I ain't got all day. Like, sure. But, but at this pumps. point, we're talking about however many years you've been having sex with this person. You know how to get them where you're trying to right. go. Yeah, that too. I mean, it shouldn't take so long. No. You should know how to get your girl. You know what I mean? So it's like. Mm-hmm. Well, unless she's shit. <laughs> I mean, she, but she's also not having I'm sex single, with the like same. Right, it's got to be a consistent person. But she's gonna have to teach him. Trouble. He's got to learn her. She's mm-hmm. got to learn him. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's still troubling because it's still like, how do I? That's frustrating because he's gonna have to go through some times of trying to figure you out. Yeah, I mean, I've encountered a few guys that like know it instantly for whatever reason. They they just pay attention enough, I guess, sure. that they can learn it very quickly, but. For the most part, I mean, I don't stick around enough, long enough, I guess, for a guy to learn. Hey. Because it's a learning. Like, men, of course there are things you need to learn, but it's not as intricate, yeah. I would say, as the female body. So, it's not as... It doesn't require as much as a guy would need to... Like, he, would, he really needs to pay attention or... Um, a woman really needs to speak up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's um, vocal, being vocal. Yeah. It's definitely important. Yeah. Understood. So, Ray, tell us about your Kensington experience. Oh, shit. Yes. So, the other day I was up, the, yesterday, I was in Kensington and. Um, so, that's a I, section of the city, and I guess you could call it the Northeast. Corridor of the city, yeah. Okay. The, the tip, right? You know, Frankfurt has spilled over into the northeast. It's the northeast, right. yeah, right off ninety five, Allegheny. So anyway, I'm driving down the street. First thing, as soon as I leave the building, first thing I see is somebody and they nod. 
mm-hmm. you know Fiend not. Crack Fiend Lane. Yeah, of course. So I see this uh, female. She's sitting on the steps. I just, I'm just sitting at the light, and I just couldn't stop looking at her for some reason because I'm like, I don't know if she's going to die. Like, it's just scary to me just watching somebody go through that. So anyway, I go past her. I bang a left down this um down this block behind the right eight, and I see a dude just sitting there in broad daylight, kids walking past, just shooting up, and I'm just like, oh, this really is Night of the Living Dead up here, but like I knew it was bad, bad, like mm-hmm. the epidemic up there, but like I thought it was like in those like under the bridges, right. like in certain places. No, it's just like in regular, right out in back of the, it was in back of the right eight, dude just sitting there people outside playing he just doing his thing and i'm just like oh like y'all just out in the open with it so i don't know i was just extremely troubled by it i'm not gonna lie i was bothered because addiction bothers me a lot and i don't know if there's anything to be done uh i guess the city is trying to do that thing like you was talking about earlier with like the wire but yeah hamster dead so the city definitely has been talking about safe injection sites I'm not really a fan of that. But I have seen exactly what you've seen. Like, I used to work in that area. Boy, oh, boy. Like, you see every demographic. Younger people, older people, middle-aged people. People who you're like, you don't look like you come from in this area. Mm -hmm. Like, you are just hurt. A lot of them Mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. They migrate to it. Yeah. So many. When I used to... um be a social worker in the county so many of like the kids the older kids that was their go-to for whatever they were looking for Kingsington it was always something they talked about or like if they got in trouble or something or they got picked up by the police I'm like where were you Kingsington like this is just where they went and it would just be like why were you there like what how did you get there like what made what happened that that was where you ended up at some point in time that now this is just your regular go-to to get whatever i mean it's so easy to get there yeah but who goes there to be there i I wouldn't know if you want to get high though Hmm. you want to get high and people dropping like flies out there left and right It's, it's, it's like you, I don't know. I'm used to people using in the dark. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not going to say going to the days of crack houses, but you don't see too many crack houses that's popping up. Oh, or no. Just popping off like that. That's why they're in the streets. There's no place for them to go. Yeah. They got these little tent cities. They're under bridges. Then they get moved, and then they're just spilling into a neighborhood. Then they try to clutter up again. Then they get pushed out again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I don't. I'm extremely puzzled by it, but it's just, it's troubling. Like like you said, I just didn't expect to see it. Like, usually, I'm, of course, I know about the nod. Like, I've mm-hmm. seen people high before, but still seeing somebody I mean, out in the open broad daylight was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Take, take a walk around our office, because you know it's a treatment facility right, right on the other side. Yeah. You'll see it. They just be dripping. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's... Because these people are coming off a of methadone high. So, mm-hmm. okay. so you can definitely have a lean on a methadone high. But sometimes it's it's not. <laughs> but for me, man, I, I, be, I have had 
so many thoughts about it because we wound up getting so many kids in foster care because of it or even in-home services with a functional addict a lot of functional addicts man and i'm just like a part of me is very sympathetic and empathetic another part of me is very callous mm-hmm. like they talk about how many people are dying i think it's cleveland more people died of overdoses than gunshots, car crashes, and something else combined. I'm like, mm. God damn. Mm. But at the same time, I'm like, population control. Now, I know, I know. You sound like a Republican. <laughs> God damn. I know that's not the <laughs> PC answer. I know I'm not the only one that feels that way, though. Because I'm just like, one, we don't talk about it, but America is overpopulated. Two, once you're an addict, you're an addict. Mm -hmm. No matter what you're addicted to, it can always pop back up. So we're talking about rehabbing these people, usually on taxpayer dollars. At least a part of it is subsidized by taxpayer dollars. There's other places that we can put that money. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't, especially because, like you just said, you drove through Kingston. It's in a community. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, do I think we need to be active and people need to put their brains together to figure out what we can do about it and get some taxpayer money has to go towards towards that? Yeah, I do. I agree with that. But like safe injection sites, I'm not really for it. Because mm. some people do need to die. Not need. Nope. Mm. Some people... There's no hope for it. And maybe that's not cool to say. But hope isn't always an option. Um, I watched. In my mind. I watched. There was this girl. <laughs> so when I moved on my block. And this is why it like, troubles me so much. But of course, like I've seen people addicted my whole life. So it's like weird. Not weird, but I just it affects me. So anyway, it was this girl my whole, since I lived where I live now, that lives across the street. When I moved on that block. She was better than a three-year-old. White girl, she was thick before white girls was thick. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the neighborhood was on her. Whatever, whatever. She meets her baby father. I guess this who introduced her. She's slowly weathering away, slowly weathering away. She had one kid. She got two kids. She got three kids. Mom got the kids all the time. She in and out of jail. She just always high all the time. One time she had asked to use my phone, and I felt bad but I didn't want to let her use it because I don't know where your hands been I don't know what's mm-hmm. going like you know what I'm saying I'm just like you know I like I know you and like most times she see me she don't even say nothing to me because it's just like of course I know you but she can't look you know they can't even make eye contact with you at the time so um anyway she ended up ODing but Did you know yeah she died but just seeing I see her kids outside playing every day her kids used to be outside almost getting hit by cars like she, you know, dad in and out of jail too. So her mom is trying to manage these kids. Her brother ended up getting high in the house and burning their house down. They paid to get it fixed back up. Like this is just a whole problem for their mom. And their mom was like the crossing guard at the, the neighborhood school. So I see her all the time and stuff and watching her trying to pick up the slack behind what's going on. And yeah, she OD and passed away like two years ago. But it's just like seeing the impact that it has on the entire generations. Now her kids are getting older. So that's where my empathy and sympathy is, because I do see the trickle down and trickle up effect. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I do have sympathy for that. But then I wonder, say she doesn't die. I don't know, is that, I guess it's always a benefit to have your parent alive, air quotes around that, right? Mm-hmm. For her kids to always be like, at least see their mom mm-hmm. alive. But maybe, is it worse, I ask, to see your parent trashed um, than to, you I know, can speak personally. Have this fantasy about them? From, so, when I was a kid, like, the reason, again, it's because my dad was addicted my whole life. So, I was teased for it, though. But everybody, dad was, I mean, parents was getting high at some point. It was like the 80s and the 90s. But that embarrassment, like, I used to lash out. So, you know what I mean? Didn't matter who it was. Like, I'm fighting, throwing shit at you. I used to hit niggas with poles. I had, you know what I mean? A lot of shit I did to people because I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And... For me, it was, wasn't the embarrassment. It was just that I had to live through, like, I had to stereotype. Like, one day you got a video game, the next day you don't. <laughs> like, the one day you got clothes, next day you don't. Like, everything just coming and going, coming and going. And that was at the time where my dad was present in the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, that's my only experience with having a man in the house. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as an addicted parent. And um, that's why I related to the young boy on the wire so much. It was just like, you know, when you have a parent, that's a, it's nothing you can really do. You know what I'm saying? And when you talk to them, when you talk to them, it's like, you know, they they coherent because he my, he did a good job of trying to keep his his G about it in terms of not being high around me or trying to disguise it. Like, you know what I mean? But at five years old, I could I knew my dad was high. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew what crack was how you cooked it up at a young age how they used it at a young age and going through that and still seeing you know how they struggle throughout the years I don't really I don't give people an excuse Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you know you are an adult you are in control but I understand how that shit gets a hold of people and they become shells of themselves, and they don't even see themselves weathering away until they look up mm-hmm. ten years later, and they think they still. It's like you know when you, not like when you drunk, but when you get drunk, you still feel like I'm cool, like I got it together. Like people drive after eight drinks all the time because they still feel like they in their right mind, and a person don't really look up and see themselves until years later, and they realize everything they lost. And then if you do happen to get off it, now you got to clean up that mess that you made along the way. So, you know, your opportunities are you making that transition to get back on the right side. It doesn't happen suddenly for you. They get frustrated. They fall right back into their addiction. And not to mention, if you are crack, if you are on crack and you're surrounded by crack addicts, you're having the time of your life. Mm -hmm. So everybody's looking at you like, you tripping. Dude, don't get high. But you're looking at them like, no, you're tripping. I'm having a ball. You know what I'm saying? So you can go from a mansion to a condo, from a condo to an apartment, from an apartment to a shed, from a shed to in somebody's warehouse. Like, that's the transition. But throughout that transition, you still could be having a good fucking time. Yeah, I think we oftentimes, like, look at these people um, as an isolated incident. Like, my dad posted the other day about King's Incident, actually, and it was just, like, an article about how bad it is. But he wrote these people belong to somebody like 
somebody cares for them. It might not be you, but somebody cares for these people. These they're somebody's child, it's somebody's parent, it's somebody's brother, somebody's sister. And while me we might not know their backstory, we don't know if their entire family gave up on them or their family might not even know where they are if they're alive. Like it's so many things we don't know. And where I can align with you in some ways, like hope is there for these people. But I can't I think about that. I think about the fact that they're connected to something else that it's a ripple effect. If something goes beyond, if they overdose, it's going to do something to somebody else that might push them into this same lifestyle. And I know we can't put everybody's burdens on our shoulders, but it's just something to think about when you see them. I do. That shit affects me. So I think about what, how much, how much energy can you put into a person? Period. And then, on top of that, how much energy can you put into a person who's not being receptive to whatever you're trying to give them? Then I think about, and this here's these are my questions for y'all. Are you more of a person to want to hold on to a person who's withering away? Don't cut the life support? Or are you the person like, you know what, I, I'd rather you just be free. I'll put the bullet in your head. Mm. Um, I never let go of my father. Like, I think the father is it's always going to be a touchy subject for somebody for you your father for your uncle his brother for somebody else their dad their sister their mom their aunt I don't think addiction is the same as somebody being on life support though I would disagree but okay I don't think that, like, somebody being addicted isn't the same as my aunt who was on life support and her her daughters had to fight. I mean, argue about letting go, about just giving up. But she did, it was nothing else that could be done for her. Like, there was literally nothing else that could be done. There are things that can be done for these people. Like, there, I don't think it's the end of the road. So I do think things can be done for people. But again, I will ask, how much energy do you put into a person? So I took this Narcan training, right? So I know how to do the Narcan thing. And one of my questions to the facilitator was, well, because she was talking about her experience saving people. So I asked her, you know, have you ever, say, had to apply to the same person, you know, multiple times? Yeah, this one guy I've done it to, like, before I asked that, I basically asked, what if I have to keep doing it to the same person where their body become like immune to her? She said, no, that don't happen with Narcan. Have you ever, how do you know? Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, this one guy was like 10, 15 times. Well, how many times are you going to get to the point where you overdose yeah. and I bring you back? Mm-hmm. Before I'm like, you're making a decision. Right. right. Even, and I understand the mental uh, attachment and how hard that could be. And more than a mental, I understand how the the physical attachment and a withdrawal can be truly painful. And you, it can be a person who wants to quit but won't for fear of the pain of withdrawal. Well, they said the Narcan is like uh, kind of going through withdrawal, isn't it? Yeah, she said it was going through withdrawal, but it's just like she said it was 
a certain amount of hours or something. Like it was shorter window. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine. He um is a caseworker for people that are addicted. Um, and he actually had a Narcan one of his clients, and when his client came back in too, his client was livid, like mm-hmm. livid. He was like, "You don't know what I had to do to get the money to get that high." And you just took it from me like that, mm-hmm. literally. Like that was that's the what the, that's what the girl said. She was talking yeah, about that. She yeah. said they're gonna be mad when he get up. Yeah, I, and I never like really thought about that. Like, yeah, I never. Even, I didn't even know what Narcan was until like he said that to me. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea. There's some other names, like three of them. Yeah, I mean, I had no um, idea that, that was a thing. Like, oh no, I hear about it all the time. Yeah, I never knew that was a thing. All yeah. the time. That was pretty interesting. Like, oh yeah, you can go get it from a CVS. Pay for it yourself. Save somebody whenever you want. Like what? Yeah. Shoot it up their nose. I think there's no real solution for it. And that's why this country is kinda hasn't known how to deal with the issue. Like looking at the war on drugs, just how to treat it. And a lot of people can't really see themselves in them shoes because number one, is it doesn't discriminate. Addiction is in every community. Mm-hmm. And Certain in certain communities, they just disguise it better, mm-hmm. and we try. We tend to just write those people off sometimes, and yeah, that doesn't have the residual effects. If your child is addicted, like Andy Reid, for example, him having a sure. son who's addicted, they trying to put him. He's in and out of treatment facilities. They constantly getting him help, and you try to hide these things or throw it under the rug so you know the world doesn't find out. But at the end of the day, yeah, a person does have to want want to help themselves and they don't see kind of the effects of what they're doing how it affects other people that's why you know that like that shit got a crazy hook to it Mm -hmm. you know having a treatment facility for people that don't want treatment doesn't matter as long as the drugs around they're going to even when the heroin supply was low people were still getting fentanyl Mm -hmm. to supplement for that you got the biggest drug pushers in the pharmaceutical industry that's going to keep, you know, lobbying to be able to push their drugs throughout the community, and nobody can do nothing about that either. So it just turns into a battle of, and that's why, like, having the, the what you call them, the, the safe centers for people to shoot up, that's their only way of solution to dealing with it because they're like, you can't, we can't beat it. We can't beat them. I don't know if it's a way to stop it. I'll be right back. All right. I don't, he is pissed. Yeah, I know he is something. tight. Like, jeez, Louise. But yeah, I don't know if it's a way to stop it. I don't. Yeah. Even, I don't even think that's the goal anymore. I was just reading, and I was reading that in uh, the Tipping Point, like Malcolm Gladwell book, and when he that's um, he was talking about the Baltimore injection sites. But you know, it just was like, how did the epidemic get to the point where you know? And he said. When they had those treatment facilities, apparently there were less people or the volume of people that were addicted kind of decreased because people kind of not lost interest, but I guess having those safe spaces, they didn't trust it or (laughs) it's just like it took away the fun, I guess. Yeah, but it's some people that do it for fun and some people that do it for things way different than fun. But I oftentimes think about, like, problems that you feel like have no solution. Like, what we need to really 
look at in those instances? Like, if we can't find a solution, can we find a root? Like, why is it happening? And now I'm not talking about because the government is pushing drugs in the neighborhoods, you know what I mean? Or a pharmaceutical, whatever the case may be. Like, why are these people doing this? Why do I drink? Why do I indulge in other things? What, like, what's the purpose of it? I want to feel good. I don't feel good enough in my natural life. Like, you know what I mean? Why are these people, if we could maybe attack the root, figure out the root, attack that part. Mm-hmm. That might do something. It might not do something for people that are already in this situation, but it could propel a movement that would decrease the numbers at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I don't even think, I can't necessarily say that we're solution-based in this regard because it's too many things opposing each other, like mm-hmm. so many things opposing each other for us to be really solution-based. Yeah. So we got to start looking at something else. When it was just when it was looked at like it was just niggas though. Mm-hmm. When we was the the, the poster childs for addiction, it yeah. was just to lock niggas up. Now we're just trying to figure these things out, and it, and it, it, it keeps going. The conversation has been talked about already, so we're gonna go down that rabbit hole. But it's, you know, essentially, I don't know, man. It's just that the, dealing with the shrap metal is just that is what troubles me the most, I guess. Knowing what it leads to, knowing how families are bothered or affected by it, right. Like, People do not take that shit. Well, people in power, I guess you would say, do not take that shit into consideration. Mm-hmm. And they pretend that that shit doesn't affect their household. And they probably got an addicted daughter or addicted father mm-hmm. or whoever. That shit is like, baffles me. Yeah, it's, um, it's a hard fix. It's a hard fix. Because you just wonder if there is a fix <laughs> can we like and yeah I question that too cause I remember we used to go to parties and had a time of my life didn't have a drip of alcohol and would have the time of my life mm-hmm. and now I don't even be wanting to socialize as much if I haven't had to drink to loosen me up right, a little bit Right. and I be wondering questioning my general disposition like damn am I not social but I do know caffeine for example, if I ain't had my coffee, <laughs> like I'm typically not going to talk, yeah, or not be as outgoing, mm-hmm. and I just don't like building up reliance on things. That's why I stop stuff all the time. It's just yeah. like like I'll stop drinking to figure out if it's the alcohol or it's me, mm-hmm. or you know I quit drinking coffee not too long ago, even though I relaxed today. <laughs> but I had <laughs> I had quit drinking coffee um, for like a period of time because I'm like. Well, I I read that article where it was saying um, something about coffee reducing your brain function by 40% or the blood flow to your brain, excuse me, by a certain percentage. So I kind of backed off coffee for that reason, but also because I felt like I was becoming dependent on it to Mm -hmm. start my day. And, you know, it's natural ways. Fruit, like I started just drinking smoothies instead. Water. Water, yeah. I just started doing that, but it's just like, why do I have to rely on these things? Like, Mm -hmm. when did I get there? What did I do before? I drink to go to a party or what did I do before I drink coffee to socialize? So I feel like when I was younger, I'd come to school and be right at it. Right. Like, <laughs> right. That was life. You did nothing. You just lived. I just and lived. <laughs> Steak, egg, and cheese. <laughs> and be right at it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, time changes you. 
It does. Change yeah, that's what I meant by it was life. Like you didn't do anything. It was just life. Yeah, it's well, living. It's just you yeah. Really have. Now it's like I know for me, not always. Sometimes talking to people, engaging, and interacting with people, it's a chore. Sometimes it's not my. It's, I agree. it's not the day for it. Just let me rock out. But then you know when you're me or a person like me, you're labeled an asshole. <laughs> So you got to make sure you speak when you walk into the mother effing room. Yeah. You know, good morning, everybody. Hey, happy Monday. You got to change the fucking voice, all that. But sometimes you just don't want to, you know, deal with people. For me, coffee was never my thing because I didn't like how it tastes. I, I just never coffee. got to taste. I don't get it. Like, even if somebody would give me coffee candy. I will say I like I did used to eat coffee cakes they were delicious. But they don't taste like coffee. They do not taste like coffee. I think they go good with coffee. That's probably yeah. That's probably why. Yeah, I think I think they, they do not taste delicious. like coffee. Yeah. But no, I've never liked coffee. In middle school, I tried coffee for maybe a week, and I poured so much sugar in it. And yeah. then somebody said, "You want some coffee with your sugar?" And my dad would say things like that, and I was like, "Up." Oh, Clearly, I'm not doing it right. So it's no it's no point it annoys me this. when people pour a ton of sugar in their coffee. I'm like, dog, just get I don't know one Splenda or something, or a Truly. What else? What's that? Some gross stuff. That, but, that that green and white pack. I like the green and white pack. What's that? Does, it doesn't Trulia? have an aftertaste. A stevia. Oh yeah. Stevia. I don't know. I like sugar. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I can't. I just, like I, I just drink my coffee black most times. If so, I just See, I to put a drop I of cream. Do that. That's how I am. But y'all gotta think. I had a desk job. At one time, mm-hmm. for a period of time, yeah, to stay coherent and alert, and you sitting at a desk all day for seven to eight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, yeah. I have progressed. Like I used to like need a lot of sugar, and it had to be like a lot of cream. But I progressed. So it's fairly dark. I just need a little bit of a uh, little bit of cream. A little bit of sugar. Like, I can't have, if I go to a Dunkin' Donuts or something like that, I can't have them put anything in my stuff because I'll say a little bit of this and it come white. And I'm like, dog, that's not a little bit of anything. Yeah. Like, this literally tastes like syrup. Why did you do this? Yeah, this I don't is like terrible. Put no sugar in my coffee. Like, don't do any of that for me. It's the worst. They disrespectful. Even that syrup they got. Like, is sugar based. So you, like, give me yeah, a so black don't, coffee. You don't need with sugar. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like French vanilla, things and like that. add mm-hmm. French vanilla or caramel. But it's just, just a syrup, sweet. yeah. And then it settles at the bottom of your coffee, so you like, I got to constantly stir this mm-hmm. moment. Like, nah. That's why I can't drink iced coffees, because if you, like, get sugar in iced coffee, it's, like, it's, everything yeah, just sits at the, at the bottom. bottom. It's just like, why did I do this? Like, I drink why? my iced coffee black. So dumb. Yeah, I drink I my just, uh, no. I'm hard. <laughs> <laughs> I get, Every yo, time you, you say get, I drink a black, I just feel like, yeah. The cold brew black, this is another experience, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I ain't there yet. Y'all never took y'all try expre- espresso shot. I know you had espresso. No, I don't do none of that. Yeah. Now espresso is hardcore because I was hardcore. about to say hardcore. If, if you think like regular coffee is espresso is like a deep dark. Like I don't know. See, not that I even remember. I just don't ever. Espresso feel like tastes like tobacco. Any of that stuff really ever helped me? Like I drank a Red Bull once. And I've done five hour energies before, and I've never really felt like. I've never done a five hour energy. Five hour I just feel like they energy. Literally Red Bull are, makes me sleepy. Yeah, so I don't I've never know. Gotten, I feel like it'll kill me or something. What? Five hour energies. They just freak me out. Like, just the idea of them makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I've just been able B12s. to blow myself through situations when Same. I'm tired. 
But sometimes in the moments, like I said, when you feel like you don't want to socialize with nobody and it's feeling like a chore, that coffee, <laughs> hey, you like, hey, what's up now? All right. All right. Be good. I think coffee is a part of my morning routine. Like, I I don't think it does anything for me. I will say that if I go like a few days without having coffee, I get a headache. Yeah, see, I, you deal with a little withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. I was dealing with it too. I, I don't yeah. want to mess with that. Now I'm gonna have withdrawal from. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Again, dependent on it. I, I mean, try to go on a no sugar diet. I can do that. I've done that. That's not a problem. You didn't have withdrawal symptoms. Mm-mm. Mm, that's see, interesting. You got to think about the type of sugar you're eating and how often you're eating. I'm talking sugar. about yeah, white sugar, fruits. Yeah, I prefer brown natural sugar. sugar. Cinnamon. Oh, that's my cinnamon is my twist. Cinnamon's good for you though, so yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah, cinnamon. No, I've never really. Sugar is just white sugar with molasses on it, right? Uh, no, I thought it really came brown. That's raw. That's like, that's raw. Like the white sugar we eat is bleached. Yeah, right. The brown. So why sugar. do they do that? Why do we bleach rice? Why do we bleach corn? Uh, we corn. know why. No, I'm lying. I, don't uh, I was about to say. I was about to say. I, I did not know that. I could play the race game. It was not game. that deep. I was going to do it. I was going to play the race game. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, but yeah, still, why? Why, why, why do Asians eat it like it? that? But yeah, like, well, exactly. But that's not. When you say brown sugar, brown sugar is sugar with molasses on it. You can just say. double sugar. Yeah, Let's say hurricane on a damn box. It's but it's brown, but brown sugar. Like if you buy something that says brown sugar, it's sugar with molasses. That's crazy. I did not know that. I yeah. thought brown sugar was like the more natural. Sugar. I thought it was cut sugar. I did too cane. for a long time, but no. But that's why Shuck you know, down. like raw raw sugar, it doesn't like bind together. Brown sugar does. That's why, like, if you buy a bag of brown sugar, it's like super stuck together because it's molasses on it. But if you're, it sounds like you're just talking about raw sugar, like unbleached. I don't really sugar. eat much sugar. It's not like I eat cakes and. No, I'm saying, but you said you you love so, you like brown sugar. Yeah, like commercial brown sugar contains 3.5 percent molasses, light brown mm-hmm. sugar to 6.5 percent molasses, dark brown sugar, based on total volume. Mm-hmm. So I throw some cinnamon, some brown sugar in my pancakes, slam it. Yeah. You don't do both. Just pick one or the other. Don't do both. What, cinnamon or brown sugar? Yeah, don't do both. That's too much. Well, cinnamon ain't got no sugar in it. Yeah. Cinnamon tastes sweet to me. Cinnamon is... No, nah, I'm not talking about... the cinnamon it. challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about all that. That's literally whenever I hear somebody say... Like you know, so I, I don't ever have to put powdered sugar on my French toast. I never got that. Yeah, I Tastes like sweet to me. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. But it's... You... But it's more than just cinnamon on your French toast, unless you're making it with just cinnamon. I might put a little vanilla extract in there, but it's just egg, a little bit of milk, cinnamon. Get it's that just home. cinnamon. Yeah. What else you putting in yours? What in your hoop French toast? Yeah. You put yeah. cinnamon sugar. That's what I was thinking. You was about to yeah, say. I can do that too. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't even think I got no cinnamon sugar. It's There's just cinnamon. Syrup on it. Yeah, I'm gonna have That's to hit sweet. it with the syrup. Yeah. I can, mean, I can see I'm the syrup is more for syrup. the like, texture. The syrup is more so it's not dry. You would eat French toast without syrup? Yeah, depending on the bread I'm using. I think you would have to use cinnamon sugar if you ate it without syrup. I don't know. I don't. Because I feel like you'll have a whole different idea. 
I don't know. We'll see. I'll try it out. Yeah. That means I'll have to just use regular... What's regular bread? I don't know. I have to use a bread. See, just made some fucking uh, French toast out of cinnamon swirl raisin bread. <sighs> so good. But that's sweet. I was thinking about it. That's absolutely yeah, sweet. Yeah, so it's <laughs> like you can't okay. do that. So they bleach the rice to extend its storage life. They do everything. They put plastic in the rice <laughs> to make the volume. Yeah. But it strips it of all of its nutrients. Yeah, it makes no sense. Supposedly enrich it with other nutrients to try to put it back. But brown uh, rice has such a weird texture it does. to it. I mean, let's put it like See, this. that texture Texture no. matters. Slimy for me. Uh, any soft soft textures get to me. Yeah, just firm texture don't That's why I can't me. eat sushi. Yeah, rice is uh, I cannot do brown sushi. Brown rice has a weird no texture. Cuz it has like it's like I don't know. It's it's more like than sticky. One it feel like it's going to stick to your teeth, but it doesn't yeah. stick to your teeth. Yeah, I don't like it. It's like, I don't. Brown rice does have a weird. Little, I don't you gotta have chew it a little bit more. It. Yeah, because I think yeah, it's like. It, so it has, it's a firmer texture. It doesn't. When you boil it. Is that the fiber? <laughs> probably. It's the, it's the nature. It's the natural. It's the natural process. They made yes. rice easy. So all rice is brown, so they bleach it so it would be mm-hmm. for storage purposes. So I'm guessing that's the same thing for white sugar too, because brown mm-hmm. sugar. I guess that makes sugar. sense. Take all the stuff out of it, and it won't. I went to um, the this hmm. exhibit in New York one time. Actually, it was on the Fourth of July like a few years ago, and it was at a Domino factory. Uh, the lady's name was Kara Walker, and it was just about how they use like children, black children, to make the sugar. And she made a sphinx, like a huge sphinx, in there, and out of sugar like nothing but white sugar but it was the lady like had I want to say like Aunt Jemima like that's what the face was um but it was a sphinx like the rest was like a animal body and then she made little children little black children out of molasses like hard molasses but it was in the summertime and it was no this uh what is the point of this exhibit it was. I think it was just to betray. I mean, uh, display rather how um, children, black children, were worked even like even up here because it was in New York, and so she made these kids out of molasses. But it was throughout the summer. It was all summer long, so the limbs would fall off, um, and they would just throw them in like the machines that were originally there. But that's what would happen. Like the kids would lose their limbs on the machines. Like whenever processing, this it was just to show just how poorly children. So Domino, the sugar company, mm-hmm. or Domino that sells sugar, is putting on this type of exhibit. In no, it was a, a black woman that made the exhibit. She rented oh. out the warehouse. The, okay. Yeah. Where's the Domino? Where, is that Baltimore? No, it was in New York. Oh, New York. It was oh. in New York. No, no. The reason I asked because um, right in Baltimore is a big ass Domino sugar sign. I was wondering. Yeah, it was really interesting. Really, really interesting. I remember when I went. It was just black girl there and she was with this white guy and she just was acting so crazy and I think it was just because of her discomfort of being there with a white man but she like got down on her hands and knees and was like acting like the sphinx just being a lunatic it was really just an awkward moment but I think she felt awkward she didn't know how to Maneuver, I guess, in the space. It was super weird, though. I hated her. Man, you just got to stand tall if you That's with the it. white guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Own it. You made your Own choice. Like, what's like, up? If you're going to date a... I, I ain't tripping. Right. Who I, I don't be tripping. 
Yeah, just like do, me, girl. Do dudes care as much as women do about dating white men or black? Um, I don't know. I know I've never really. So, I will say, I guess two, three weeks ago at Kylie's little at Kylie's birthday party. Yeah, I definitely saw a white dude cracking on a black girl, and I asked her if she was okay. No, that's a little bit. I, you, he needed that energy. You know what I'm saying we've been going through that so for years. I don't years. think Fuck that's a that. problem, but no, I was going to ask you if that was. <laughs> no, that's not. That's that doesn't bother me at all. Actually, I'm actually applauding that. Uh, but we have to protect our black. If y'all together holding hands, it is mean, what it is. I clearly y'all together. If y'all in love? Go ahead. I don't care. Well, I don't know why I would care. All you these... know, I miss the international. I don't give a damn. But I just be wondering. So. I don't like, I call it reverse interracial porn. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to see them have sex, but I don't care in the abstract, you know, if they're together. Yeah, I get that. I don't. Reverse interracial porn. Oh, yeah. I don't like seeing white guys <laughs> having sex with black girls. Why? But you don't care about them, at, like, actually Dang having it. a bond. Because sex doesn't mean a bond. Them two like, over don't... there, I don't have to see them have sex. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care. Like, y'all in love? Cool. I'm actually happy for you. When y'all create this beautiful kid, hopefully it's not a funny looking kid, I'm going to say, cool, that's a pretty baby. It's like a, it's like <laughs> we would look at a gay couple. You don't want to have to see them have sex, but yeah, you can celebrate their love and be happy for them that they're happy. What if y'all just started whipping it out right here? I might feel yeah. a type of way. But I couldn't All watch right. gay porn ever in my life. I dig it, I dig it, I dig it. I find that I'm not as... Um, like I still have never watched Brokeback Mountain or, or that movie, but I find that it. I came from a place where I couldn't see two men kiss without feeling just uncomfortable. So now I'm just like, you know, whatever. I'm working on it. I can see them touch each other. I can see sexual buildups. Do I want to see them go, you know, just hardcore? No, nah, you know. <laughs> nah. I'm, I'm actually kind of conscious of it because now I can like check myself because it's like we have to be accepting of it or we are accepting of it but it was just like in those moments where it does make me feel uncomfortable it's like nah you tripping like let them have it you know I think they deserve to be able to display their love in public just like anybody else but we coming from a different era and a different place so mm-hmm. I understand I no that problem. I have a lot of learning to do I have in that regard. a PDA cap for everybody I don't care if you gay straight Question: I don't care what you are. Yeah. There's a PDA cap. Yeah. Like you don't need to put on a show out here. Right. And no, I don't need to stare at you. But if you're in my line of sight, or if you're like making it, so it's kind of unavoidable not to look at you. I mean, I think you're doing too much. Yeah, I think I there's agree. a PDA cap. Hold hands. There's no cap on that. But y'all making out, touching on each other. That's come on, player. Yeah. I don't care if it's a guy and a girl. It's, it's, come on. Yeah, like I did see an old uh, old white man smack his right. Like y'all want to do something? I I wanted to give him a high five. Like yeah, that's you know what I'm saying. I was like like, yeah, that's that's how you keep like if a guy is walking and his hand is just actively on his lady's butt and hers is on his, they're just walking like that. Like that's not even comfortable. Why are y'all doing it? Stupid. Don't I still I still can't stand watching people kiss in the club. That shit bothers me. Go the fuck home. I'm not with the standing in the middle of the dance floor kissing shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? You weirdo. This is not the you movie. You never kissed in the club? That was they night. They Trying to get some yams. 
on an erection okay. high, you got them right. But I still feel like an asshole if I do it. See, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I can't do the clubs because I don't know what I would be there for. I would be compelled to kiss somebody. <laughs> no, I'm not. I ain't fucking like compelled to kiss. kiss nobody, but I don't know what I'm here for. <laughs> like the point of going out, I thought not going out. That's not it. But going to a club was it like to hook up, right? Or or at least get a number. No, I, 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 I do it. For. I do it to kind of get out the house and socialize a little. And that's what I like me and you. I like dancing as well, but but I don't been, like dancing at a club really. I don't want to go to like Saints. Some place like that where the DJ is like slamming, but it's a hole in the wall bar, and you get sweaty and you just dance. No, I can't do that no yeah, more. I don't want to do that, that no more. That was college. I love that. Never again. No, I don't want to do that anymore. I, had no, I don't have no patience for it, and I don't like people in my personal space. I'm definitely down to yeah. dance. I can't do it. But I want space, and I want to be able to hold a conversation without doing my fucking air yeah, banging my head. At <laughs> like, I want to be able to socialize if I'm out. Yeah. Like, I, me and you have always differed, though, bro. I've always, if I was going out, it was always for a purpose. Like, I want to see how many, I'm going to just talk to, I need somebody to talk to. I'm yeah. going to find a me a girl. That's a specific type of purpose. I it's think going mission. out to socialize is a purpose, but it's just not your yeah. purpose. Yeah. But now, I don't even, if I was to go out now, the reason why I don't be going out with them now, if I was to go out now, I'm just like, I would talk to a girl, and honestly, I have uh, hundreds of things to talk about. But in that setting, my mind isn't down to talk about, not on a page of politics, yeah, or some enlightened thing, or or some bullshit, yeah. or or anything. See, I, I like, go oh, out you know, and I don't, because I assume she's here to. to Get somebody to crack on there. Yeah, like, you know. I've never enjoyed the club. Like it's never. I've yeah, always I don't felt awkward in this space. Like I just feel like, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I don't I've typically crack on girls it. in the club. That's because I don't like talking over music. Then that's about the problem. I'm a sniper though. So what are you doing? I don't want to dance. I mean, no, I do enjoy a good dance, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to dance. Yeah, with these people. Two years ago, no, it would have been a, probably a year ago, down DC having a good time. Young joint, who God knows how old she was. Young joint comes dancing up on me. I'm down, you know. I got the rhythm, but she's just moving faster than the beat. Not faster than the beat. You're not on pace with me. All right, I'm gonna try to follow you. I'm not the guy that stands still during the Wally. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm in motion, yeah. so I'm trying to keep pace, and I just couldn't. She was just doing too much for me. I was like, all right, well, it's clearly not for me anymore. Yeah, no, I'm a sniper. I pick my victim, and I try to get it far, far away from the dance floor at the bar and the little seat, and I just go all the way in, go for broke. Most times it worked. Duh. No, I don't. I don't really go to clubs to. I mean, I don't really crack on girls over music. It's just like, especially if they with their girlfriends, it's just like too much of a task. See, I feel like I'm in competition you, honestly, with a hundred niggas. Probably looking at you like, why are you? Yeah, like you had to repeat. It's too much of a yeah. I don't feel. I'm coming to talk to you and your friends. Yeah, but after the club, see that's that's where. And then we got to play the let out. Now that means we staying up extra late. Yeah, I'm hungry. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't want (laughs) to eat at three in the morning. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. but no, I get cabin fever though. I be having to just get out the house sometimes. See, I I, and I feel you on that. But I'd rather just go on an adventure. I'll just go fucking just anywhere in the woods. And the club isn't the only place you go out Mm-mm. to. Like it's. I'll run in nature. It. 
yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. But yeah, I, you have never, I I've just never enjoyed the club. And I've ne- and it made me feel very. I'm also the type of person who feels like. Yeah, the truth is, I feel like I need to have a drink in my hand. That too. And it's like, now that. I'm just wasting money. Mm-hmm. Salsa water <laughs> like, has been my trick. So in recent years, that's how, one, I avoided getting super drunk. But two, feeling like I got to have a drink in my hand the entire, because you do feel awkward. Everybody's sitting there with a beer or, mm-hmm. and then especially if you're taking shots. It's like I go to the bar, take a shot. So that means I gotta buy a beer just to kind of keep me floating. The bar the night. is my exactly biggest thing. Going that. out, like, oh yeah, so trying to get navigating to the bar that and fighting no, through a million you. people. No, I that's don't the only do it. reason I would buy a bottle. Is because I don't feel like sitting at the goddamn bar fighting through a hundred people mm. trying to get a drink. Just not my forte. Not at all. But some people, I don't know. I mean, I can get it. I can get it because some people have that energy. They just. They're all about it. It's just not for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not my jam. All right. On to the next. What's the next? When they see us. You haven't watched it, have you? Yeah. No, have I, you watched I, I, the uh, Central Park Five documentary? I watched the documentary, though. Okay. I, yeah, I know all about it. So we all are aware of mm-hmm. the story. Yeah, absolutely. Shay, you felt emotions as yeah. watch, while watching it? I didn't watch it, though. At all? I watched the first episode and then I was like, no. (laughs) Why? So, so was the nope because of the context and the content, or was it because you just weren't feeling the series? Um, the content, and also I feel like, um. Not aligning it with a slave movie, but aligning it with this slave movie. Like, I don't watch any of them anymore. Like, it's just not something I'm doing. I need a different narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so this sh- series is four episodes of Black Trauma, and I just don't feel like it. Like, I don't feel like it. And also, it hurt. Like, I didn't, I know there's a, I understand it. I knew what slavery was, but a slavery movie still pisses me off. It still sure, makes me yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah. So, this is in that same line. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I, I can't do it. Literally, when I watched the trailer, I cried. Like, the one scene where the boy is in the interrogation room and his sister's about to sign the paper. He like, I just want to go home. This is a child. I dig that this really happened. I know the history of it, but it still sucks to like dramatization. I don't want to see that. Like, I just don't. In a way, they antagonize you. Like, in those moments, they're convincing you you're guilty. Like, I remember getting interrogated as a kid. They were literally talking to me as if I'm telling them I did not like I wasn't there. I hadn't. I don't know what you're talking about. This did not happen. They literally speak to you in the present tense. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So after you did this, like I just told you. So you gotta constantly backtrack. So your best bet is to shut up. But they bully. They bully these young bulls and their parents being uneducated about the legal system. Of course, is gonna go along with whatever the cops say. Be super believable. You know, super trusting of. I don't know how we trusted them. And especially in New York in the 80s, I don't know how they trust the police at all to tell them the truth. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how much blame I felt towards the parents Mm -hmm. for the lack of priority around it, for leaving the child unsupervised all this time. 
for the one mom, she couldn't. Two moms couldn't even find their son. I guess okay, I understand that. One was going to every single police station she could think of, and the other one was just calling around. I'm just like, all right. I feel like there was some blame on the parents. For me, so I remember I was only interrogated in my pre-18, or I'll say probably pre-6. No, yeah, like pre-18, only one time, and it was at Turner Middle School. Well, it was because of, I was in middle school and I was accused of rape. And I remember, I don't know if, what I will say is my dad having been a square and never been in jail, never been arrested, he made sure we watched a lot of prison movies. And so I remember watching Blood In, Blood Out. I remember watching uh, Scared Straight. I remember him taking me to a prison and so for some reason, I absorbed a lot of information on how to engage with police. He never sat down with me and was like, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. Or maybe he didn't, I just don't remember. But I remember, like you said, you had to keep retelling your story. I remember being able to say, look, here, I can prove that this didn't happen and I wasn't there. I was able to identify a whole series of events. I was able to find a staff at the school who saw me at a specific time. Because I was taking them, and I never even, the one thing I would say my problem was, I never even thought to ask for a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That never crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah, I, 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 you I, watched I, the shot? Yeah, I watched the shot. You saw when that scene when the young boy stole, when they stole the test? Yeah. And he was talking, and he was like, bitch, I watched yeah. first for you. Y'all ain't going to get me like that. <laughs> yeah. They asked the young boy, like, you stole the test? He's like, I watched First 48. I ain't saying shit. I want a lawyer. He literally I want, I want a lawyer. lawyer, right. He's like, I ain't saying shit. I want my lawyer. I was dying. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the type of education I think. So the purpose of me, I've watched three or four episodes. I mean, by the fourth episode, I was like, I don't think there's a point of me going any further. Yeah. I wasn't feeling I emotional. Think the fourth episode was probably, what I've heard, it was like one of the most gruesome Oh, really? The fourth episode, yeah. Because it was about Corey, um, whatever his last name is, the one that did the longest amount of time, and he was actually processed as an adult. Mm -hmm. It went more into his story. Because he was put in isolation all the time. His shit was messed up. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. For me, it didn't re-traumatize me in a way that some slave movies have when Mm -hmm. you put that up, but I did register that. Yeah. Uh, But it was just like, it made me think about what I need to be as a parent. Yeah. Like, what information I need to make sure my children thoroughly understand. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, I got them reading this book called uh, Knowing My Civil Rights. They're about to read another one about knowing my uh, law rights. and uh, Forget that. I need them to be very <laughs> conscious and aware. Is child-friendly? Yeah. I'll show them to you. Soul? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to get Please. that. I want to get that. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, man. I like, think this show definitely is necessary like I think slave movies are necessary but how many do I have to ingest and that's what I was thinking about when you were saying that like at this point you're like you I am done Mickey's not done Mickey still has these things but I am done you got the point yeah what what slave movie bothered you the most um the last one that I watched was 12 Years a Slave that one Birth of a Nation I felt 12 years of a slave. 12 years of a slave. Lapita Nyong'o was getting raped. 
Yeah. Yeah. That that got to me, me. So and I I, I think I, I made it through the entire movie and I think the the part that I like literally was like I can't do this anymore. He got back. It was literally at the end where he got back and he was he apologized for his like role in it all and it just like fucked me up. Like I was like I can't do this anymore. I literally walked out the theater. I was with my ex at the time and I said I will never do this again. I will never watch another slave movie again. People were like, watch the underground when it came out. You're not gonna watch twelve I mean um uh, the one you just Birth said. You're not gonna watch Birth of a Nation. I thought Birth Shay of a Nation was good. Out, and I, I, was like, good. Mm, I can't watch it again though. I could only watch it one time. I'm not watching none of this stuff again. Yeah, I couldn't watch Birth of a Nation. I could I did only watch Twelve Years of Sleep. The only reason I watch Roots is to make sure my kids watch Roots. I watched Django a couple times. I feel like Django was more of a comedy. Yeah, I like Django. Yeah, Django was a comedy. Um, I haven't seen Roots. Period in life. No, I'm I'm trying no. to think. I I don't remember Roots. I remember that well. Levar Burton's leg. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember. I haven't seen Roots since I was in elementary school. Oh no, I haven't seen it again. Actually tried to watch it again, watch it maybe in my young twenties, and they did a remake of it, and that's all I could find. Yeah, watching a remake, I want to yeah. see the original. Yeah, yeah, I we, feel you. We, we watched Roots was a four part series back then. Mm-hmm. Like sat down and like, they made, yeah. yeah, it was we a made family a day thing. Of it. it was yeah. a thing. Yeah, it was a thing. I remember my, my parents used to. It used to be uh, an event. Like when we mm-hmm. watched slave movies, y'all ever see Rosewood? Yes. Oh, that was a freaking that event one? in my house. Well, Rosewood we wasn't really like a slave times. movie, or it wasn't a slave movie, but it was. Yeah. it was Jim Crow. It was one. It's a, it yeah. goes in the category of movies I yeah, don't know Jim if Crow. I can watch anymore. Yeah. Like, I it, Rosewood no Rosewood, so man. Especially, oh man. Then yeah. Rams getting choked up. Oh yes. my god! Yeah, Rosewood was hard to watch. His horse made me so happy. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Rosewood was tough. Yeah, Rosewood. It was. Yeah, it was. Man. It was difficult. Man. Uh, yeah, but I can't. So, but those types of movies, my parents we used to sit down and mm-hmm. watch together, and that's what I. They're built for that, in my opinion. Like stuff like that, it's built for those moments because you have to show your children the world that they might not be aware of. Mm-hmm. And it sparks a conversation. It sparks a conversation. Yeah. It sparks a conversation. But I don't need to do it on my own. So I'm like, I'm not just going to say, hey, let's go watch Pop this. this real you quick. know, yeah. yeah. Nah, that's not get, really. I got to get my son. I mean, it, it can affect your whole mood and disposition. It, it does. It whole mood and disposition. And now, like, as a child, you don't really. I mean, I went to predominantly black schools. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really have to deal with white. Like, as an adult, having to work amongst all types of people. I don't want to go to work on a Monday morning after a Sunday night having watched Rosewood, 12 Years a Slave. Like, no, like, I don't, I can't do that. I can't look at you and be like, hey, good morning, without thinking. That used to be me. <laughs> Watching Birth of a Nation go to work the next day. So I'm like, I'm going to sucker punch the first motherfucker who yeah, say I something crazy to that. me. I don't like, want to I'm do tired that. of all these nah, motherfuckers. I can't do that either. I, it, it's definitely <laughs> tough, man. <laughs> That's yeah. setting you up for anger. It really is. Yo. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine when we... Actually, when we was in uh, college. I'm glad none of the movies came out. Because we was damn near in race wars. That would have made me That would have made it worse. <laughs> we would have been like the... What's that uh, Netflix, you know? Uh, I hate that I had it. What I know is... Mm-hmm. Ray... Not Ray. I don't know why I said your name. We had put on... Abolished the N-word programs consistently. We had orchestrated marches. 
we had did things to white people. Like it, our school was higher learning. Had those movies came out, I can't imagine. My college experience was like higher learning, one hundred percent. Like we be in a white party and it'd be all good, and then it just ain't all good. Then the racism comes. Then it comes. Oh, up. you got the right black people today, baby. Yeah, because <laughs> we we gonna whip y'all ass. <laughs> Our first party in college, we got kicked. Like the white people act like they entered the party, and so they can get yeah, us out. We was that. so green. We walked in that joint thinking it's cool. They're like, like how much you get in? He like five dollars. Cool, we get in there, we chilling, chilling, chilling. But they, they got a black capacity. They kicked us all out. Not kicked us out, but to act like the party was over. We all leave. Then That's find like, out later they started the party back That's up. really despicable. I, you think? That is dis- I would have uh, had more respect I mean, for them if they kicked year. y'all out. They ain't want that smoke. Mm-mm. I know, it's distasteful. Yeah, man. it is. They're, um, that, that's really whack to me. Like, it just... Some of them, was, the crazy so part much. was trying to... Because you had that dynamic like someone was super cool and was mm-hmm. in our friend group that we adopted and they was like our brothers mm-hmm. some of them didn't never meet like we had this one dude yeah, bar that never dealt with black never life, interacted with a but black one of the most friendly life. guys you ever meet in your life now i don't know if we left the school environment went to his environment if his behavior or attitude toward us will change sure. but at the same time in all of our interactions it was more so curious Asked that he wanted to learn about our culture. He wanted mm-hmm. to hang around us a little bit to see how we operated. Mm-hmm. And always had the same attitude, was super welcoming to us. And then you got people that just don't talk to you at all. Mm-hmm. That literally just can't stand you. Or it will come out. I remember one time this girl uh got into a situation Khalif got into a situation with this one girl and everything seemed all good. And she ain't calling him a nigger. But you know she wanted to call the cops on him. Mm-hmm. And she just kept getting in his face. Kept getting in his face. I forget her. Her name was uh, the redhead, John. But she kept getting in his face. And I'm like, Leaf, do not hit this girl. Get the fuck out of here. She trying to get you locked up. She swung on him and everything. But I just was like, that shit all comes out. Essentially, mm-hmm. when you piss him off. I'm, I never liked her. That has been... That was the truth I learned in college. Like, even the friendliest white person. You take him to the right space... They'll flip. They'll, yeah, they'll show you a different side. It's the, I remember, so my dad um, told me a story about when he was, uh, I think we were a baby, so he was still a teenager, and he worked at a restaurant, and he worked for, it was a white woman, and he said she was always nice, but this one specific day he was doing something, and she asked him to do something else, so he was finishing this thing up. Mm-hmm. But she was, I guess she was like on edge, it was busy at the restaurant or something like that. And she kept nagging him. He was like, I'll get to it. When I get to it, I got to finish this. She called him a nigger. Mm-hmm. My dad socked the shit out there, lady. Like, <laughs> socked her, lost his job, but also filed a suit. Like, it became a big thing. He was in a newspaper and everything because, mm-hmm. and this lady, he said she was such a nice woman. She, I think her husband was black, but she wanted to get him upset because she felt like he wasn't doing what she wanted him to do. And it just be those little moments. Like, you now I, everything that I, every, all of the credibility, anything that I saw in you was gone mm-hmm. because you thought that this was the right way to agitate me. And that's what it really be. It's like, I want to just piss I'm you just off. I'm just poking. I just mm-hmm. want to poke you. I want to poke the beer and then get mad that the beer is a beer. Like, yeah. I don't, what is you, I don't Dog, get it. I used to stand up sometimes at my desk and really look around like I'm behind enemy lines. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it used to feel like some days because it just was like I was the only one there. 
and at any given moment, everybody can turn on me. And, you know, for whatever moments that they got me there, just have their way. Mm-hmm. So I just used to, I don't know, every now and again, just remind myself where I was at. It, I mean, it was unsettling. It was just uncomfortable. I think the majority of the interactions were positive or neutral. Mm-hmm. But there, and man, in my four and a half years up there, there are some glaring, mm-hmm. bold, broad, Hardcore racist shit that I was a witness to, somehow affiliated with. And it was like it started with a drive-by nigger shouting, and it just <laughs> that was like our there. first two weeks. <laughs> like, there. I was like, oh, it, shit. it was happening in our first couple. Like we yes. got initiated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're talking quick. first weeks. Like that shit was not crazy. months. It could have been week two. Not even mm-hmm. been week one. Week one, week two, week three. And you know what's funny? Fucking niggers. Whoa. We got every reason to hate y'all. But yet you hate us. I don't ever what? think it's hate. I just always think it's fear. Fear, hate. They had to let us know mm-hmm. at times where we could have been letting them know. And we would kind of be on the, sh- the back end of it. Like, be responding to it instead of being the aggressive. Ain't like mm-hmm. we walk down the, the street, you cracker. Like, we wasn't looking my, for. We, we wasn't looking. We for wanted you. to be friends, kind of, sort of. Like mm-hmm. we just trying to chill, do our thing. But you gotta, I think. That's literally the history of black people in America. The, I, yeah, the yeah, Black yeah, Panther sure. Party was a reactionary group. Like Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? Like we didn't jump up with these aggressive like movements because Absolutely. it's just what we wanted to do. It's always been a reactionary measure to some absurd shit that was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's not even retaliation, it's just protection sake. I'm not, we didn't make these things to be like, um, just we're going to plan a heist and we're going to like do all these weird things the white people just cause. No, it was like, all right, we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to make these, put these things in place that if anything happens, we are protected. Yeah. But white people don't see it that way. Like we, because we reacted in any way other than being docile, it's like, oh God. They're horrific. You know, like, no, fam. You poked the bear. Yeah. I'm a bear. You've been calling me an animal from jump. Like, before you even seen how I move, you called me an animal. And now that I'm acting like when you looking at me sideways, I don't get it. Yeah, man. The math is off. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it was good life experiences. I learned a lot. I got a lot off my chest, and I definitely learned (laughs) a lot. And I think it taught me how to move in the larger world. Cause like so. you said, Shay, I mean, primarily, I definitely went to a, a primarily white school at one point in third grade, Amos Land Elementary School. But besides that, it's just all black. Yeah, me too. You know what I'm saying? And so all it's just like, schools. I never, I always experienced being the white boy. There's no white people around, so you call the light-skinned person the white mm-hmm. boy. And I mean, it's just like, by the time you get into an environment where your real white interactions have been teachers, people in authority, authority yep. positions. Yep. Yep. Then you get to college and you're talking about peers, and you're Unless just you like. Miss HBCU. Miss hmm. Natalia advised me against it so hard. About going to HBCU. Yeah. Really. Because I um, like Spelman was like my number one choice. Like I wanted to go so bad, and he was like, and I got accepted. Like I got accepted, but they did not give me any money at all. Mm. Um. But I was talking to him about it one day. He was like, so is the world all black? 
Hmm. And I was like, what, Mr. Natalie? Like, I'm, like, you, I'm a kid. Like, what are you, no, I'm, no, right? He was like, no, it's not. You're, that's not going to be reality. You're going to put yourself in an unreal situation. You need to go somewhere where it's diverse, but you'll, you'll see something different. And it's stuck. Like, for a long time. I mean, I That's wish I was thing that ever to, to you, me. honestly. But Be honest. I, um, definitely part of being me, older understands that. So part of me wishes I went to an HBCU just to have that experience because mm-hmm. it looked like they had the most fun in the world. Um, just being around their people. But yeah. I feel like I'd have dropped out at HBCU. I don't feel I feel like it would have been more of the same. I think it would have been. I think getting out of Philly and going to an environment where I had to I I literally felt like I was by myself. I had to feel like I was competing with the world. Mm-hmm. That and experiencing like I said, you got good people, you got bad people. You got, you know, those that you can I just don't trust none of them. I never did. But at the same time, I can I know how to so I know how they socialize. I know how they move. I, for real, for real, being in Philly, I felt like I was a shelter in terms mm-hmm. of the world because this shit is like, I agree, this shit is different. Because once you step out of it, nothing looks the same. Right. Yeah, because even coming back into the city, I did not enjoy the city. I still barely. Oh enjoy yeah, the city. yeah. I don't even socialize yeah. with people from the city. Like Once I came back, job. it was just like, life just seemed so different. And then you spent all these years away from the people that you were in the city with, and you see where they're at, and how they're moving, and y'all relationship is different, and you're not on the same page with them, and it's just like... Their mentality be completely yeah, different. Yeah, it's just like, we have, because we have two different base sets of experience. Right. Like, definitely those early years are your formative years, but it's a lot of formative things happen in 18 to 24, 22. Yeah. 22, 24. Shoot, 26. I'll, I'll second that. We were talking about the clubs earlier. The reason I don't even like the clubs out here is because the fun I had party when I went to parties in school, and then I come down here, and the parties wasn't even diverse. It was all black people, mm-hmm. but oh, people yeah. was being themselves. Like, I can't stand going to a club and feel like I'm in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody just standing around looking at each other. Yeah. Like, that's weird yeah, to me. Nothing. We wasn't having that. Like, we stuff. really socialized. Like, we... You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't look like a weirdo for, you know what I mean? Dancing. Talking to people. Or, da- or dancing by yourself. Right. Or like, dancing with I, people. I just. Or dancing with three people. It was just like, you just. I feel like one yourself. of the clubs right. in Philly be like a cool contest. DC kind of. DC kind of makes up for that. So I don't think it's a black thing. I think it's a Philly thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it still feel like, like, y'all, do y'all know how to have fun? Are y'all just here to pop bottles? Like, what's going on? Is this a stunting contest? We yes, all right. we all poor, <laughs> like, <laughs> relatively to the world. Sure. We all making poor decisions in here tonight. Only bad decision I'm trying to make is raw dog and the wrong one. <laughs> That's it. It ended up on an erection high having a baby. <laughs> like, other than that, I don't want none of jokes. y'all bad decisions. Just jokes, family. No, nah, man, I feel you, though, like. It was just such a downgrade. Yes. Mm. It was... Uh, and I remember going to, like, Nachi 3 and clubs when I was a teenager and just having a blast and thinking life couldn't get no better than this. Then you go to college and even the small things. Like, when we went... I don't know what it is now, but at that time, we had the largest uh, black, black incoming class. So it was like... I could understand why some white people got uncomfortable because it was just a wash of 
brown, light skin, dark skin, all of it. Just, just a melanin. wash of it. Melanin popping all through that campus. And so the, our, our class changed the whole demographic. You want straight to Temple, right? Where you go you go to Kutztown? Oh, you want to Kutztown first. How was that? Super white. Yeah, because it's smaller. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. The college is very much the population of Kutztown. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Damn. I like I See, didn't say, you know but I was like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. no, it wasn't. Talia it was, went with you though, right? Yeah, Talia had a ball, but I was mm. me and her were very much different. Like yeah. we are very much different. Like it wasn't, and I had a boyfriend, and I wanted to come home to every weekend. Like it was that, just that always, man. My relationship ain't staying a chance in the yeah. city. I try. I I stayed faithful for like three weeks, and then uh, back then, I was. I mean. Back then, the the person that you would think is the hoe now wasn't the hoe. So, anyway, nigga teased me and shit. Like, right, you ain't getting no yams up here. Hold up, dog. Who you talking to? Man, it was on and popping after that. I mean, that's a part of it. We ain't never turned back. The peer pressure was crazy. I was literally going strong. I was like, no, I'm going to chill. You know, man, I don't want you. I'm going to get you. You know what I'm saying? And then. I was 18, so, you know, yeah. I had to make those mistakes. But anyway, yeah, it, it was all downhill from there, and shit just got wild. <laughs> Very. But it was a good time. I had a great time. College is for experience alone. Like, I, I, I know a few parents that are like, I'm not paying for my kid to go to college. If they don't make their own way to get into college, they're not going to go kind of thing. And I, I dig it. But it's it's not so much. It's not just the book education you get in mm-hmm. college. There's so much more you get out of college than just your classes. Like mm-hmm. it's so many experiences that you you experience when you go to college that you might you won't you can't necessarily get by just leaving high school and going to work because so, then it's just going to be everything that you. Entire family has done prior to you making taking this step, right? So that's the conversation or the argument because basically, you got a bunch of people with diplomas <laughs> like I'm in the same position as people with degrees, mm-hmm. they just got and, a piece of paper and some debt, right? You just got a debt and a piece of paper. And I tell people all the time if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it twice. Mm-hmm. Ain't I will no, definitely do it all over again, I'd just be wiser with, with how, how you, I get my money yeah. and what I do with it. But at the end of the day, that experience was like beloved, and it literally, quite literally, saved my life. Yeah, so, for me, I needed it. Yeah, it's, it's I not even to get away from this environment. It's not even a debate. I needed to see different things, see different people, interact with people from all across this country, from other countries. I mean, you have a limited demographic. Well, that's actually not true, but in the city, but during our era, I would say I was traveling the city, but I wasn't like. In somebody else's neighborhood, speaking to people like mm-hmm. you, right. things like that. <laughs> like, you go up there to see what you're gonna see and get yeah, the fuck out of there right, as quick as possible. Right. Do that. So by the time you get to college, I was lucky enough to have people around me who would push me to be more social and who would challenge me to like, like try shit. It's like what, and that became the mantra. Like, yo, we are in college. We are here to try things. And once that mantra took over. Just balls to the wall. Just had a good time. Yeah, but I don't think it's for everybody. It's not. I think I needed that growth, 
But I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't. What I would already. What I would say is, is I don't think I space. It. Yeah, I, I don't did. think I needed college, but I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially when I got to Temple. It was fun. It was like a little world. I always tell people itself. the same thing. It don't matter what you're gonna do. You're gonna need an education. Mm-hmm. It don't feel. It don't feel like. No yeah. Choice. Don't feel like you know. You go to college and get an education. You do get an education, but you get an experience which is comes with that education that. You know, you can't, it kind of runs hand in hand. Like some people stay home, but commute to college every day. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're doing that, this is business now. Mm -hmm. Because your life ain't changed. Your dynamics of your social, you know, your social environment didn't change much. But at the end of the day, all right, then your major need to be something that, you know what I mean? Is is, is it nursing? Like something concrete that you know at the end of this, you're going to have a job lined up. Like you know exactly what you want to do. Some people exist in the gray. They don't know what the hell they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? <laughs> like, you want to sit here and twiddle your thumbs? You better off taking some fucking electives until you can figure it out. I mean, I would say... I feel like everybody better... should go into college undecided unless they absolutely know exactly That's what, what they want to do. Until you figure it out. Take some electives and figure it now. Make sure those electives count. Yeah. Exactly. Towards the end. I just say go grab you a vocation, man. Get some skills. Learn how to do some stuff. Then just you decide you want to go to college. Do, dog. Just figure it out for you. Yeah, Don't do go to college because somebody said, oh, I want you to be the first one in our family. See, to that do was it. my thing. It was an expectation. Mm-hmm. It was a, definitely an expectation for me. So it was like, all right, I'm going to go. Because I remember the summer before I was working at the airport making what at the time was good money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the 20s at 18, $20 an hour. It was more than $20 an hour. All the overtime you want, come on, player. I'll take that. No why, responsibility. Why going, right. No real bills. What am I paying for? A cell phone. That was, I think that was it. My parents wasn't having me pay rent at that point. Like, you know, I can do this. It was my friend. It was the people that was going up there. My friends going up there. I'm like, yeah, you know, I did see value in the experience. So I, I quit and went. But I could see reasons why I wouldn't have went. Maybe I would have been more of an entrepreneur had I not gone. Maybe, you know. I do think about HBCUs, but then I'm just, you know, everything happens for a reason. I could see me having multiple kids. I could see, like, take take the same me at IUP and put me in an HBCU. No, I would have had babies. And I, my life would have been different. Like you said you would have dropped out. I I don't know if I would have finished. I'd have been scratching and trying to survive. Like can't keep paying all these kids. I hate the HBCUs. Like have that connotation. There are some super prestigious HBCUs, but when people like think about them, like your first thoughts were, oh, I would have done this fucked up thing. You know what I mean? Like, I know I would have. Like I hate that. That's the my mentality the back then. First thought for I'm a watch, lot of people. I'm reading. Uh, damn, what's the book you gave me? Uh, pimp. Yeah, I'm reading Iceberg by Iceberg Slim. Iceberg Slim goes to Tuskegee. He couldn't fuck. You know, <laughs> like it's it's a certain and type of He was of, a straight A student. Yeah. It's a certain type of thing that's pulled out of you in certain environments. Like if if you want a whole face and you just dive head first into a whole face, I say college is the place you want to be if you want to be in your whole face. That's the perfect place to have your whole face. Because it's just a crop. It's just everywhere you look. Everybody's there. Yeah, like, we all live in the same five-minute <laughs> radius. Right. Bunch of other people going through their whole phases, too. Right. No slut-shaming. Nope. You know? Nope. 
don't think we. No. I don't think it was no such thing. No, no, it was no such thing as a smut. It was no such thing as a smut. It was just your turn. It was just your turn. Like, oh, you got it last week. Oh, I'm gonna get it next week. Like it was no judgment. It was just a good time. Shit. I remember at one point my pickup line when I was probably a sophomore or a junior, talking to the younger ones like, "Look, man, you in college, you just gotta try stuff." Boom. It will work. Man, listen, it's the truth. But I just, try just I just tell young boys from the city to get outside the city. Even if you want to go to trade school, pick up a trade. Mm-hmm. Just go some. Just get out. Go to Horsham. Or even just like, go on a trip. Yeah, and then try just, to do trips. You, you because you got to start experiencing things. You realize that many people are where they are for lack of experience. Absolutely. It's like so many things. It's a charter school in Philly whose the mission is simply that. Like some of these kids haven't left their block, let right. alone left exactly. the city. Like their mission is to expose them to other things just mm-hmm. so they can see that there are other things. Because how can you reach for something you you, you don't even mm-hmm. know like what it looks like to reach for? You wanna be in a small, small world. And if you know I mean I would think, I would hope that in this day with the internet People are able to, younger kids are able to see that there's a bigger world. Mm-hmm. But I know pre-internet, well, pre-internet being what it is today, I mean, my parents definitely took me to the beach and took me places. So I got to experience things outside of Philly. Mm-hmm. But I knew of people, I knew I had peers, friends, who was not going anywhere outside, who hadn't stepped outside of West and Southwest Philly. Right, right. Like, right. They first time you know getting outside about. the city is going up to the mountains. You don't Ended up in Greensburg, PA. Greatestford. Mm-hmm. So I ain't, I ain't for it. you still a kid. You take that long trip up to George Jr. Mm. Or you go to Glen Mills. Like, then you want, they wind up having these great experiences. Never seen a horse in real life. Right. right. You know, now you right. got equestrian classes. Never went swimming. Now you I didn't know it was mountains class. in Pennsylvania. Shoot. I didn't know until I saw him. Yeah. I was never going west. I, I never knew. <laughs> it's going down 95. I never oh knew. Oh, my God. Like, Blue Mountain. I mean, in many of them. Like, you yeah. mm-hmm. ride past mountains for a length You of never time. realize how country Pennsylvania really is. Yes, it's very the rural. Mm-hmm. From, I would say, from Reading on. What's on to. Well, what's the saying? What? Between, uh. Philly and Pittsburgh is Alabama or something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's it's not true. A really an exaggeration. I mean, Harrisburg there, but this is like spit. they got a uh, country accent. Yeah, it's different. It's got, even Pittsburgh got a country. Pittsburgh people sound like they from New Orleans. Not New Orleans. I would say Memphis. Yeah. I remember when I first started interacting with Pittsburgh people. I'm like, hey, why you? Why you talk like we that? We in the same state. <laughs> you only five hours away. They Different sound like world. we used to call them Bamas. Mm-hmm. Definitely used to call them Bamas. Like then once you get used to it, we start calling them Bamas. Somebody a Bama <laughs> because it's like, isn't it like it's short for Alabama? Yeah. So if you call somebody from Virginia a Bama, it's like this is literally the kind of argument I'm having with my aunt actually because <laughs> I call her husband who's from Virginia a uh, Bama because he's. Blows my mind just how country he is. And she was like, but he's from Virginia. I was like, so we a Bama. A like, Bama. I don't get Because it, Bama is about as country as it get. Like, yeah, exactly. We can in, talk our, in our northeastern mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Alabama as is as about as country and rural as you can be. So Alabama is it. 
shit, we all saw Waterboy when they was in Louisiana and all their accents and shit. But Bama, I think, by far. Yeah. I don't know of any other. I mean, what else could you call somebody? Georgian? Yeah. No. Yeah, like, you don't want to call enough. your, your, your like state's <laughs> name? No. It's stupid. They got Atlanta. Yeah. What popping city is in Alabama? Where would you want to visit in Alabama? <laughs> what am I working Don't worry, I'll wait. <laughs> Mississippi. I know. Mississippi, too. But Mississippi just don't sound good. No, it's Mississippi. Mississippi sounds amazing. Mississippi, no, you're just a family. Huh? I would love to go to Mississippi. There's nothing in Mississippi. I don't know. I just like the name. I want to go see what it looks like. I've never been. Land? That's cool. Isn't that the land I'm standing on now? Said, I, I have uh, no desire. They said, as racist as Mississippi used to be, the black and, the blacks and whites actually have good relationships down there. Yeah, I've heard that. I got it. One of my workers is from Mississippi. That's what he said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says it's not. It's not as racist as you would think. Because they grow up together. Yeah, they always poor, living in the same trail. Exactly. Parks. So the economic disparities affected everybody, not just <laughs> a few. Ain't no reason to but I'm still like, <laughs> I don't care how much David Banner screaming in a rap song. He never made Mississippi sound cool to be. Never made Mississippi sound. I don't do? think it sounds Drink cool. Drink hooch and shoot. I just want to go. I don't want to. I never want to go to Texas. Teach me how to hunt. Like, I used to go down Virginia when I was a kid, and just going down there used to just be too much. But I've, see, I've always loved Southern living. Like I've always loved. It. I would go down Virginia oh, every summer, multiple pork times a summer. I love. The South. That's my experience too. My my grandparents are from the South, so I would yeah. go down there. And, and I just have memories family. as a kid of being able to run freely, like just, just do all space. this. Yeah. Space it, on it's space. the air. You didn't different. care about television. The air like it's fun quiet at getting night. chased by blackjacks. Like you, you just had a ball. Sky, you yeah. see stars. stars. I remember yeah. one time I literally saw lightning where it struck the ground. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. But it was like, wow, I don't think I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever see something like that again. Like, I yes. saw the point that it hit the ground. Yes. I was on my way back to my aunt's house. We were supposed to be leaving, but it started raining. We were like, nope. But it was like, those moments were just memories. Because I remember we all, like, hauled up in my aunt's guest house because nobody could go anywhere because mm-hmm. the roads were so bad and it was such a terrible storm. But those are, like, the things that make me love it. Like, I remember running from... Everybody had a dog that hated everybody outside of the person that lived in the house, outside of the owner. Mm-hmm. And we would have to, like, if he would come to one of my aunt's houses, if he would come and she didn't know that we were getting there at that time, the dog would be off the leash because it's Virginia. The dog ain't going to where there's home. And we have to call her and be like, can you uh, come out here so we can come in the house, please? It's all of us, but nobody's messing with this dog. Yeah, and everybody dog. in my family had that one dog. dog. Can be a fucking terror sometimes. I don't know. I've had so much experience with dogs. I just, but then you don't want to hurt your aunt's dog. You don't want to like. He yeah, attacks. I'm not gonna, yeah. I mean, because if you, if you see the dog acting, like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Favorite. I I know what I'm gonna do. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, you don't want to But I'm not going to put myself dog. in a position to have to hurt the dog. Oh, if yeah, I can just get her to come out and literally just put her hand on sure. the dog and it's going to be completely submissive, then I'm just going to do that. See, that's mm-hmm. the country dogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, just touch them. And they can, but literally, if she wasn't out there, I, I remember one time she was telling us a story about how somebody came to her house unannounced and it was like at night. 
and she just caught the person was like knocking on the door, not even cognizant of the dog. And the dog is a very swift dog, so it's not going to even let you know that it's on its way to kill you because that's what it would do. So the lady, the person's knocking on the door. And my aunt, she said she heard the person at the door. She remembered that the dog was off the leash. And she literally, as soon as she came, the dog had his mouth open about to bite this person. But she, the dog saw my aunt and was like, oh, all right, I guess I can't eat this guy. Ugh. And it was literally just because she got there at that time, that person didn't die. But the dog has attacked multiple people. I can imagine. Yeah. Nope. Because it's just that. Nobody shot it yet. It, it survived. <laughs> Yeah, fuck that. Come to the country there where it is their fault. Yeah, the country yeah, is beautiful. Take me a country trip. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. Especially as a kid. Like, it used to be a ball. Go to Virginia. I'm going to take a trip to Virginia this summer. Yeah. I always, you know, yeah, my family from Virginia, so I mean, I always had love there, but it just was like. All right, after a couple of days, all right, I'm ready to get back to the city. That's like, my, it used to be... Uh, but they know how to have there, fun. Mm-hmm. Like, people down south know how to have fun because there's nothing else to do down. So, they are super creative. Like, that was the first time I had fried crabs, like, going down south. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, fried? Like, who the hell fries they crabs? But they fry everything. Mm-hmm. That was my first time having fresh fish, like, actually knowing what fresh fish tastes like. Yeah. That's something I do remember, the food just tasting Different. Tastes completely different. Like, just different. Yeah. I had some shrimp this weekend, and it reminded me of the shrimp I used to eat as a kid. I'm Taste like, the yo, salt water. It, yes, it does not taste like the shrimp I've been I've been eating for mm-hmm. the past twenty years. Like this, the shrimp I used to eat when I was a small kid. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh, fresh out the water, fresh out the. Oh my god, it's just yeah. different. I definitely remember fishing with my grandpa. Man, yeah. So many things. The way a southern woman whoop up a mill, you just be like, wait, what? You just did this whole thing? And like, it's always not, a like whole nothing. thing. Cook for real. Like nothing, though. And they cook like, for real. How did you do that? And feed everybody. Feed everybody. Feed. And you can show up unannounced and it's done. Yes. Like, it's not, like, they they weren't expecting you. This is just what happened. All right. Oh, you hungry? Oh, hold on. I'm going to fix you a five course breakfast. Like, <laughs> damn. Crazy. That's how my grandma was. Back in the day. Especially with a bunch of meatballs. Yeah, a bunch of pork. Bunch of it. Scrapple, sausage, bacon, grits, eggs, toast. And you, and nobody cared about calories back then. Mm-mm. Nobody cared about Remember guilt-free eating? Do y'all remember guilt-free eating? I do. I remember. I, I'm so tired of feeling guilty after I eat shit right with now. With a big-ass bag of Doritos. And some soda. Oh my god! I just sometimes I'll be like, "Yo, for cheesesteaks, fuck my diet." Like on cheesesteaks, fuck being in shape. And Taco Bell, seriously? No, don't do that. Not seriously. No, yeah, I mean I sometimes I feel that. I know, way. I know, no, 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 no. You get had there. the "I'm gonna die anyway" speech. I could get hit by a bus today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. You can rationalize all this <laughs> like it. You can rationalize anything. You Your brain is very strong. You can. We are intelligent beings. Then you live 48 hours later, you're like, man, I shouldn't have ate that. Yeah. Yeah. Still the guilt feel kick in the when you got to go to the bathroom. Uh-huh. Like Popeyes, for example. Like, every time I eat Popeyes, it tears my stomach up. But I enjoy it when I do it. Like, you ever see that meme of Elmo, like, kicking his feet and shit? Like, that's me. Like, eating my Popeyes. Kicking my feet and shit. And then later that night, I'm like, I'm never eating Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking? Because it gets me up faithfully at three o'clock in the morning. It hits me, and I'm on the motherfucking toilet at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, why the fuck did I eat that Popeyes? But it's so good. 
and then they drop a new chicken flavor like every month. <laughs> they got a new special. They had chicken and waffle flavored chicken fingers. Who the fuck can put chicken and waffle flavor in the chicken finger? I had to find out. There's no way you can kind of get around it. It's just like. What? So what did they do? Is they it the batter? It just tastes like yeah. little syrup and battered it with the pancake. Uh-huh, I mean, the waffle uh-huh, batter. Uh-huh, and it just okay. was an amazing experience. Or then they had like a chicken breast, but cut it up to make it look like fingers. Oh, like, I definitely had that. It, it, the ripping chicken. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Out of bounds. It is. <laughs> it was an experience. It's just like I'm happy as shit with my little sweet and spicy dip. The sweet heat sauce. The, oh the my god. Heat the sweet heat. With the, the French fries, you ever dip your fries yes. in the sweet heat? Yes, oh that my sweet god. heat is so good. I'll go to Popeye's sometimes just for to get something. I don't something even like biscuits, and I eat they biscuits oh, with honey. <laughs> oh my god. But I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> and then I ride past Popeye's again like, yo, they got a new, babe, we got to go check it out again. They got a new <laughs> flavor. Gotta check out this new flavor. Like, uh, it, that is terrible. Seriously. Nah. I remember, listen, no. Daryl has this reputation to be the most health freak person in the job. In the job. So I be looking at him like, shit, y'all know this nigga. Because <laughs> I know how to tempt him. We was talking about uh, being vegan one day in the uh, group chat. So Daryl was like, yeah. I ain't really eating meat right now. I said, bitch, you put some <laughs> buffalo wings in your face. <laughs> you going to fuck them buffalo wings up. I'm going to have you one or two. You're like, I'm going to taste one. <laughs> Next thing you know, he come back with a plate like, hold up. Let me just grab a couple more. Since I'm here now. <laughs> that would be, I'm like, since I already did it. That's a buffalo wing house. I'll just set a limit. <laughs> you know, I won't eat no more chicken the rest of this week. That's my promise to myself. Two days later. Daryl comes in my uh, office the other day and shit with a warm honey bun. (laughs) (laughs) I said, yo, they don't know this nigga like I do. I don't even remember what I said. They're like, wait, Daryl eats more than vegetables? (laughs) Anytime they see me eating something unhealthy, it is like a shock and awe. I'm like, wait, what? I said, oh, y'all don't know this nigga. That's funny. All right, y'all, anything else? Oh man, no, we got. How did we get here? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. Because it started with when they see us. Yeah. This conversation. When they see us, the slave movies. To something, to something, to down south. I I, I lost the rabbit hole. This is our reputation. This is what got us here. This is our name. So as we climb out this rant and tangent rabbit hole, this oxymoronic rabbit hole, y'all got anything else to say? Anything to celebrate? Hearts and minds are clear. Oh, anything to celebrate now? Hearts and minds are clear. Hearts and minds are clear. All right, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Rants and Tangents podcast. We hope we gave you that oxymoronic flow that we aim to provide. Remember where oxymoron is and other stuff with oxymoron. Oxy meaning sharp and moron meaning dull. Until next time, peace. Peace. peace.